Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Taylor Vipolis, EJ Wilson, Mike Ingersoll. Going to be discussing the Western Carolina game getting into a little bit of NC State since it is next week's game, but we will save most of that for next week, a.k.a. hate week. So, guys, how are y'all doing? Carolina one win on the season. You know, how's the spirits right now? Taylor, since you're the first one I see on my screen here, let's start with you and then go down the line. I'm personally doing well. Um, You know, one of the things that I had to do when I signed up for this job at Inside Carolina is – when I was talking to Buck is kind of tuck away the fandom and be this subjective um, reporter. So I've tried to kind of distance myself from the team, but even, even saying that it's kind of hard to do just because of how close I am with some of the coaches and some of the players still on this team. So I definitely feel for them. Um, I love North Carolina. I obviously wish they were doing a lot better, but you know, personally I'm doing pretty well. Good to hear, man. Look, there's got to be some positivity right now. EJ, you're the next one up, man. How about you? Uh, The only positivity I have is that we have Western Carolina, then NC State, and then this nightmare of a season will be over. Um, I honestly, (laughs) (laughs) personally, uh, it affected me a little bit personally at the end of the year. But, I mean, when you get kicked in the teeth so much, at some point you got to just – turn the other cheek, I guess I would say, and just focus on some of the other things, the fact that we didn't turn the ball over last game. So I I can feel pretty good about that. (laughs) Small victories, but unfortunately, I mean, Caroline's just got to put something up on the scoreboard, but they got the chance this week. Mike, what's your thoughts going into this Western Carolina game, man? Uh, I I mean, we'll be be favored, I assume. Um, I don't know by how much. I'd be surprised if it were more than 10 points. 30, 30 points. Favored, we're favored by 30 points? Yes. Uh, well, that's that, that's just so nobody can hit the over. That's all that is. Um, but, I mean, it, it's it will hopefully be a win, and it'll be, you know, the second one of the year because we won one game a long time ago. <laughs> and, um, you know, then we'll go to the state game, and the state game's a crapshoot. I mean, it, that, that state's a good team. State's have got a good program. They've got a good team. Um, you know, I hate to admit it, but under Dave Dorn, they're having some success. I mean, they're still doing state things, um, you know, like being ranked and then losing to losing to wake at home. But then again, we did, we did things like that too. So, you know, glass house, me glass house, you glass house, but, um, you know, hopefully we can win this game and get some momentum going into state because it sure would be nice to get a win over them and blow their season up the way they used to blow ours up. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, just a sad state of affairs that that's where Carolina's at at this point. But, you know, it's interesting that going into the second to last week of the season, you know, NC State did lose to Wake Forest, like you said. I actually work with an NC State fan, and he said that, ironically, I did not know this, State was favored by 18 and a half and lost to Wake, which was more than what Carolina was favored over ECU. So, you know, small comfort, Carolina technically has a worse loss than Carolina does on the season. So there you go. But going into Western Carolina, let's start the discussion here. 
Taylor, what do you think about when it comes down to scheduling? Do you like it when the Tar Heels schedule kind of that gimme game right before the big time rival so late in the season? I definitely like it. I think when I was playing, most of our gimme games were kind of early on in the season. Um, I remember we played Delaware uh, pretty early, North Carolina A&T pretty early. Um, So all our easy games kind of um, were in that first month of the season, which is good, I guess, if you're trying to like incorporate new players onto your team and kind of get them up to speed. But at the same time, with it right before your rivalry week, um, I think you see this all the time in big college football with uh, with teams like Alabama and Auburn getting ready to play the Iron Bowl. It just gives you another chance to kind of rest up before the game that, you know, ultimately can make or break your season. So I like it towards the end of the season. I think Carolina had two gimme games this year, one against East Carolina and one against Western Carolina. And they obviously blew the first one. So hopefully they could uh, hopefully they could take care of business on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, if Carolina somehow manages to lose as a 30 point underdog, I just I I can't even fathom it you know Mike when you were in your playing days kind of we had some overlap there as far as when both of us were at Carolina I don't really recall UNC having that gimme game late in the season do you remember that ever happening during your playing career uh, I remember a William and Mary game late in the year, my senior year. Uh, it was Mike Paul as a transfer there, and Mike was the quarterback. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that was probably week, uh, God, I don't know, seven maybe, maybe week eight. Um, we had, we also had, let me think, I swear we had one other that was a little, you know, in the second half of the season, um, maybe the year before. I don't know, maybe I'm thinking of Citadel, um, and Citadel was week two so maybe it was just the uh just the Wayman Mary game that was later in the year and it was nice to have that because it was supposed to be a supposed to be a break um we actually almost lost that game because we we didn't take it seriously at all and um Wayman Mary came out guns blazing because that was you know that was Mike's homecoming for us and it uh, you know coming back to Carolina and it was also you know those guys it was one of the bigger games they played that year so they came out ready to play we didn't um so it was almost a letdown game so it was, it's, it's, it's give or take with that, right? You, you don't know what you're going to get with these gimme games later on in the year. You, you know, is, is everybody kind of looking past that game onto the next one? Um, or are they going to focus up and use it as a chance to get better and fine tune some things that, you know, maybe they've lost sight of, you know, clean up some technique that might've gone by the wayside or, or what have you. It's um, it's a crapshoot. Yeah, that's a really good way to point it. And I'm glad that you, that you mentioned there, Mike, you know, the possibility of overlooking. EJ, do you think that the Tar Heels having their hated rival NC State the week after this, is there any danger you think that Carolina could come out unfocused and they've got their eyes on that Wolfpack game? I mean, when you're talking about the rivalry uh, between us and State, there's always a chance of overlooking who you play before them, no matter who it is. I don't care if it was Western Carolina or East Carolina. I mean, it's it's easy to overlook that person because you. I mean, I guess some of the some of the thinking for the guys could be, hey, we haven't really had any success or anything to hang our hats on this season, so they're going to be looking for that signature win just so they can save face and just so they can say they accomplished something or or just something to feel good about going to the off season and that 
definitely would uh, be getting a victory over NC State. Uh, like Mike said, NC State spoiled a lot of our seasons for us kind of uh, there at the end of the season. They don't have much to play for, and they came in more motivated than us. But uh, I, I really don't see this group coming out and overlooking anything. I think more so the mindset is going to be they're going to want to go ahead and get this game and, and really have those emotions high and really have a, a good week of preparation and be feeling good about what they've done going against NC State. The last thing they want to do is go in and lose a game where they're favored by 30 points and then – uh, I don't think it'll be hard for Coach Fedora to expect his guys to be uh, up for that game. I mean, of course, it's NC State, so they're going to be up to a certain level. But there's always that kind of blow you feel to the gut when you lose to a team, uh, especially one that you're fa- hate, uh, favored so heavily against and one that I, I fully expect Carolina to defeat. So I, I don't think they'll overlook it. But, it's, I mean, you never know. This team surprised us in so many negative ways this year. But I hope that's not the case this time. Yeah, even not covering, I think, would probably be a bit of a disappointment. But, you know, UNC is and should, frankly, have a very vanilla game plan going into this game. I mean, Western Carolina is not the type of team that, you know, UNC needs to really show many cards. So, Taylor, when you're looking at the matchup itself, what are your expectations and what do you think the goals need to be for this UNC team that's about to face the Catamounts on Saturday? Uh, first off, it Western Carolina, you know, their whole team kind of goes through their quarterback, um, Tyree Adams. He's a really electric playmaker. He came out early in the Carolina game last year and scored, um, drove drove them down the field. He got hurt in that game, missed the entire second half. So, you know, you could kind of point at Western Carolina losing that game once he went out of the game. Um He's a quarterback. He's a dual threat guy. We've seen the problems Carolina's had this year against running threats as quarterbacks. And he's a guy, you know, he rushed for 107 yards in their opener against Hawaii. He rushed for 152 yards this season. He's rushed for 90 yards. So he's a guy who you could expect him to get at least 50 yards on the ground. And then I think it's just, it's just something that Carolina has to be conscious of because They've been pretty bad against uh, quarterbacks that could also run. Yeah, Virginia Tech, Virginia, ECU even. I mean, Carolina and Syracuse too. You know, Carolina just has not done a very good job contain. Mike, did you have a little bit of uh, of memory come back to you on some other potential late, quote-unquote, easy games that, that y'all played during your, your heyday? Yeah, Furman. Furman in 06, and we almost lost that one too. Thanks to Brooks Foster, we didn't. Actually, you know what? No, I do remember that game now a little bit. Yeah, that was that was kind of a nervous. But I think last year when Carolina played Western Carolina, you know, um, Western was up, I think, 10-7 or 7-0. So is focus kind of the, one of the major things that you're going to be looking for in this game, Mike, that Carolina, you know, just kind of has that business-like get out there, take care of the opponent that they should just dominate and especially avoid injuries? Yeah, well, that's what I was talking about before. Is these late these late in the season games are difficult because you don't know what you're going to get, and focus is a major issue. I mean, we happened happened with two teams that I was on, Furman and the William and Mary game, and you'll see that throughout the country all year long, late in the season, some uh, you know group of five school or you know sometimes even an FCS school will knock off you know a power five school because they didn't come in the game focused; they were looking down the road and looking past that team. I mean, that, that happens. It almost sounds cliche, but you know, that, 
that actually does happen. And the mental state that you walk into a game with plays a big role in that. And uh, uh, yeah, so I, I'd be worried about it substantially with this game um, just because there's not a whole lot gone right this year for, for these guys. But then again, maybe it's a chance to have something positive and, 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 you know, have a little, uh, um, a little silver lining, you know, get, get, get a win and feel good for the first time in a while and get you a little victory meal on Sunday. What's the victory meal composed of? Is that like, do they feed you guys like something special if y'all actually get a win? Maggiano. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maggiano's depending on who's footing the bill. Uh, <laughs> or or it might be knockoff Spanky's ribs, RIP. Nice. Taylor, what about you guys? Did y'all ever have like a victory dinner like that? Yeah, every, I think it was every Monday after we won, um, we would get something good at the training table. Um, whether it was... And I'm trying to think what we had in 2015, maybe like, like lobster or like some kind of fish, um, something that, you know, just to reward yourself, but it's also, you know, good putting it into your body. So yeah, those were always something to look forward to. And every, every week, once we got back in the locker room, you just started, your mouth started just watering, thinking about what you were going to get on Monday. So if if the team lost a game, do they like have you guys catered from that terrible Chinese tech out place that's next to to the library on Franklin Street? I I go there sometimes. Asian Cafe, shout out shout <laughs> out to them. Asian Cafe is my jam, man. That place yeah. is cheap and it's good. Uh, I thought oh, you're, it's, I, it, it takes them two and a half hours to deliver your food, but if you go yeah. pick it up, it's good. I mean, it's I thought you, I thought you were gonna say that the Asian restaurant kind of down by Carbro, like across from like rise i don't know what that place is i've never oh been man you're talking about you're talking about golden was the golden kingdom yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that, uh, place. Dude, that that place used to be a buffet we me scott lenahan chaco's ben lemming we frequented that place often we were we were good patrons they used to we used to hear them screaming in the back when the big fatties would come walking in and <laughs> is that the is that the one that was by time out no it, this, is the one, this is the one that's down by um it's across you know, from Cat's Cradle. Yeah, surplus, yeah. Surplus SIDS, you know, surplus SIDS, the military surplus store. Uh, yeah, that. yeah. By yeah. Wings. Yeah, by Wings and all that. That place. Golden, I think it's Golden Kingdom. Mm, I'm not familiar with that. I've, one. Never, one I've never seen one person step foot in that. <laughs> That's funny. All right. You know, I, I hope they don't listen to this. If they do, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, they're not a buffet anymore, so I don't think they're getting the same foot traffic they used to. Well, and they don't have football players coming in there and, you know, eating 10 pounds of food apiece. So, Correct. you know. All right, guys, let's get back a little bit on focus here. I mean, EJ, let me ask you this. With the, you know, mentality of the team, Carolina, to their credit, they really have not just, you know, lain down for any of their last games. I think you could argue the ECU game, but, you know, the, the players are still out there fighting. So, you know, if Carolina is able to just blow Western out, number one, do you think that that would just be a benefit going into that final rivalry game against State? But then on the flip side, second question, if Western does somehow make this game uncomfortable for the heels, do you think that that could actually negatively impact them? I do think that it could negatively uh, impact them, especially uh, with the way that they've been playing. Like you said, they haven't laid down for any games. I mean, they've been very competitive. Uh, if you look at the box score uh, against Duke, uh, it looks like we should have won that game. I mean, they turned the ball over three times, but 
where it really killed us was in, in penalty yards. So I think that if they go out here and they're not executing, if they're turning the ball over, I mean, even giving up uh, big plays, like uh, Mike mentioned, when we played against Furman, I think what really derailed us was that we allowed them to get some momentum, allowed them to build some confidence, and they got a couple big plays on us, and that game was way closer than it should have been. And, and, and I think that could happen against Western uh, Carolina if they're not going out, if, if they're not focused on uh, on beating these guys and I just hope that they aren't overlooking them because I think I, I almost think that them playing badly in this game and winning is going to affect it, them playing badly in this game and, and still finding a way to win is going to affect their confidence more, I think, than losing because they're going to say, hey, we're we're going out here and we're playing our hearts out and we can we can barely beat this team. So uh, I, I think the only positive that could come from this game is a complete dominant win and for them to uh, win by at least three touchdowns, I think anything less than that is going to be a disappointment to this team right now because I know they only have one win, but they have to feel like that they're a superior program and that they have better athletes than Western Carolina. So I think they need to go out here and take care of business uh, Saturday and then turn their complete focus on the to ending the season on a positive note. So for all the listeners who obviously can't see this, uh, our Mike Ingersoll has changed the location from his conference to the Golden Kingdom. So, shout out. All right, let's take a quick commercial break, and when we get back, let's continue the discussion. Let's take a moment to talk about our friends at Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. And if you're listening to this podcast, you've heard us talk about this now for a while. But if you haven't, all that you need to know is HEELS15, because that is the code that gets you 15% off of your order from Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. You can use that code for online orders at any of the Chapel Hill, Hillsboro, and Chatham County locations. You can support the IC podcast and thank Charlie, Clint, and Griffin, our guys at Jersey Mike Subs, for their continued support of Inside Carolina. Here's how it works to use that code HEELS15 and get that 15% off. You go to jerseymikes.com slash order or use the Jersey Mike's mobile app. Select the location nearest to you. Click order. Pick your favorite sub and at checkout, enter Heels 15 and you get that 15% off of your whole order. You get to skip the line, head straight to the register, grab your food, and you're on your way. Do it today. Place an online order at one of the five Chapel Hill, Hillsboro, and Chatham County locations. It's a super easy process. Just remember that code, Heels 15 And also look for Jersey Mike subs inside of Keenan Stadium this fall and with the tailgate guys as well. So support the IC Podcast and get 15% off of your Jersey Mike's order. It's a win-win. All right, we're back with the Inside Carolina Podcast. John Siegler here with Taylor Viplis, EJ Wilson, and Golden Kingdom slash Mike Ingersoll. So, Taylor, you know, what do you think that this game could potentially do for quarterbacks for UNC? Because you know, with, uh, with Cade Fortin having played the one snap against Duke. He is now only able to play in one more game this season or else he will lose the redshirt opportunity. Nathan Elliott had a great game against Western last year. How do you see this one playing out at that position? I don't think you're going to see Cade Fortin. It's really hard to tell what was going through Coach Fedora's head when, you know, you put Cade Fortin out there for one play. Um, But my best guess is that he knew Cade Fortin was not going to be healthy enough to play in this Western Carolina game and be able to preserve that red shirt. 
Uh, Jace Reuter probably won't see him for the rest of the season. So you're, you're basically just left with Nathan Elliott, Manny Miles, and, you know, see where you could go from there. And like you mentioned, um, against a team that's not going to be as athletic as, as schools like Virginia Tech, like schools like Miami, I think Nathan Elliott's going to have a good game um, like he did last year and, you know, just build build any momentum you can going into NC State. And if, if Kate Fortin doesn't play against Western Carolina, I have a hard time seeing him just kind of stepping up um, against NC State just because that team will look at him like he's like he's a target wherever he's hurt and just going after him play after play. So if if I'm Carolina, I wouldn't play Kate Fortin for the rest of the season. Do you think or let me rephrase it. Were you surprised, Taylor, that Kate did play that one snap against Duke? Because, you know, you're the one kind of person that we have here who's actually caught balls from Nathan Elliott a 40-yard throw, I mean, just personally, I think he can make that. Sure, it may be a little bit on the slow side getting to the end zone, but I think Nathan's got the arm. So, you know, what's your thoughts on that decision to end the Duke game? Yeah, I didn't understand the decision. Um, I feel like Nathan Elliott, like you mentioned, it was 40 yards. I think Nathan Elliott, if he puts everything into behind the throw, I think he can make it there. I think Manny Miles could have could have made it there. Um so I I didn't understand the decision to put Cade Fortin, especially if you know, if he couldn't play the whole game and you didn't think he gave you the best chance, just putting him out there with the chance of re injury, even if it's one play, uh, just seems like a, a questionable decision with very little upside. Like maybe your chances of winning increase like point three percent with Kate Fortin and so it just didn't just didn't seem to make sense from a uh, health standpoint yeah I, I definitely agree with that there all right so EJ let's get the thoughts on the defense here you know when you guys were playing against teams that going in you felt that you had the advantage on physically um, and, and athletically did you ever use kind of those uh, those games as an opportunity to like try out maybe some different techniques or did you guys kind of want to save some stuff for later on so that way opposing offenses could not get film on you? Absolutely, we tried that. And uh, the crazy thing is that back when I was playing the team that we tried that stuff out on was Duke. Like we always had these crazy <laughs> pass rush moves these crazy pass rush games that we'd always try. I mean, we were all familiar with the group of guys that I played with. So, I mean, it wasn't, the, we weren't the most humble group of guys. So, I mean, most teams we played against, we we felt like we were more physically dominant against, but if we were playing against someone that we absolutely thought that we could blow out or we saw some weaknesses on their offensive line, or like you said, we were just, we really truly were that superior athletic to them, athletically to them. We would definitely try out new things. I mean, I, I can recall myself, doing a fake spin uh playing against I, I forget who it was it may have been like mcneese state or something my junior year but i remember trying a fake spin and uh being benched for probably the next couple of drives just because it was so bad so you can kind of get yourself caught up uh trying new things and put yourself in a situation where you're not fundamentally or uh sound within the, the constraints of the defense so i definitely uh would encourage them to try new things i don't think that the fear there will be any fear about uh 
offenses seeing that on tape because they're going to go with what they see most often. And they're going to kind of assume that that's just some something you were doing messing around or a new game that you implemented because you wanted to see if it would work. But uh, I, if I were them, I would definitely use that as an opportunity uh, to try something new. All right, Mike, what about on the offensive line and specifically – you know, did you guys ever really like trash talk maybe like an opposing defense that, you know, when you walked out there, you noticed that maybe you had like three or four inches and about 25 solid pounds on whatever defensive line, lineman was across from you? You're asking if we try, if we would try anything new. I mean, I, I'll try anything twice. Um, we didn't, uh, we, we didn't really deviate from what we were supposed to do. Typically, at least I didn't, just because there's really not much deviation you can have on the offensive line. It's not like I can do a fake skin, a fake spin like EJ was talking about, which I'm sure was immediately followed by a real fall. Um, <laughs> we couldn't do anything like that because offensive line play is so technical. Um, you know, even even against players that you give up a few inches to, or that give up a few inches to you, and you know, several dozen pounds. If you're not technically sound, you 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 stand chance to get beat by those guys, and I mean I I didn't ever want to be in that position. So no, I didn't I didn't try anything new, um, at least in terms of my technique outside of maybe trying to snatch somebody with my hands in a bull rush and yank them down to the ground or something like that, uh, you know, without getting you know get getting caught and getting a flag thrown on me. But no, outside of that stuff, we didn't we didn't really try anything new. It's it's hard to freestyle on the offensive line. But what about, like, mentality-wise? Like, did you guys, you know, with these types of games, did you kind of go into it just being like, look, we've got a job to do? Or, you know, was there ever, like, a sense of, look, if we go out there and impose our will, we may break their spirits, like, by drive number three, anything like that? I mean, guys guys coming up from a lesser division, or a lesser division, guys coming up from a lower division, I mean, I, I wasn't one to run my mouth to them, whereas I would run – my mouth to other power five schools and defensive lines from power five schools. Um, you know, it, it, you didn't want to, those are teams you knew you were going to beat, you know, you're athletically superior to them. You know, your roster is better for the most part, um, unless you're Kansas and you just don't want to rub, you know, they're going to lose. And the school's getting paid a lot of money typically uh, by Carolina to lose to Carolina. And you don't want to rub that in because they're out there playing as hard as they can. And this is, one of, if not the biggest game of the season for them. So, um, no, he, he didn't want to rub it in. All right. Taylor, what about you guys on, uh, from the skill position, man? What's your thoughts on that? In 2015, like when we were playing teams like Delaware and North Carolina A&T, teams that like we knew we were significantly better than, the mindset that a lot of our guys had was, you know, we want to beat this team so bad that, we can put in our third stringers and our fourth stringers because they're working just as hard as practice. You know, they're giving us a great look on scout team. So their mindset was, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put my best foot forward. So guys that normally won't play in conference games and guys who are seniors that don't play, they'll get the chance to play. So that was just another, another way, you know, our guys kind of looked at it um, in games when we were physically and way more uh, talented than the other team. Let's take another quick commercial break to talk about our friends at HeelsTravel.com because they are the easiest way to book travel to big UNC away basketball games. Right now, HeelsTravel.com is offering a package to Chicago to see UNC take on Kentucky on December 22nd. 
That's going to be one of the biggest games of the entire college basketball season, so you will not want to miss it. Visit HeelsTravel.com now or call 336-855-0060 to book that trip. The package includes nonstop airfare from RDU to Chicago, transportation to and from the airport to the hotel, and a two-night stay at the Chicago Omni. That's the same hotel where the basketball team is going to be staying right in the heart of downtown Chicago, so the location could not be better. It's a great chance to see your Tar Heels on a huge stage against a great opponent, and you also will get to check out an awesome city right around Christmas time. So visit HeelsTravel.com now or call 336-855-0060 to book your package. Now let's get back to the podcast. And then as far as like play calling, I mean, the cliche is, is again, you know, against the, these types of opponents, coaches like to keep things vanilla. Taylor, you mentioned, though, that the offense really tried to go out there and just put the game away early. Did you guys, you know, use a, a more vanilla scheme and just really worked on execution, or were there some wrinkles thrown in there? I don't think you're going to be breaking out, like, trick plays or anything. So, But in terms of, like, the base offense you're trying to run, I think, you know, you're going in with whatever game plan uh, the coaches kind of saw fit um, just because you're not taking your whole playbook in. But it wasn't like they were cutting it down to kind of save it for NC State or whoever we had the week after. It was more of, uh, you know, what is the offense comfortable running? What do we have faith in, you know, them being able to execute? And normally we had like a trick play or something, but we never got to the situation where, you know, we got desperate or we really needed uh, a crucial point in the game to use it. Now so for, for, Oh, sorry. For, oh, no, for us, for us, it was a, it was an attempt to see how, how long you could stay on schedule. So you come in every game with a first 15 and you come in with a game plan and um, you know, for different situations, you might have certain things scripted and we wanted to see how complete of a game could we put together that week, because every single week when you when you're playing a power five school, or you're playing a school, that's you know same level as you in terms of um, talent and roster and things like that. You're not able to stay on schedule for that long and you constantly have to shift things and you get you deviate from your game plan. And these games were a chance for our coordinators to try and put together a full game, almost scripted and see if we could actually go start to finish uh, staying on script and staying on schedule. So it, that's another that's another advantage of playing these games is to see to see what exactly you can do and get away with while running a relatively vanilla offense or defense so mike let's go ahead and try to put on the positivity caps for a second good luck. let's say yeah well all right follow me on this one if carolina is able to beat western and cover like similar to what they did last year which was 65 to 10 let's say if carolina can beat western by 35 seven points this year or whatever do you think that that will actually give them a much needed boost going into the state game i think it depends on what the film looks like because if if western is just a really bad team and you can go out there roll a ball out and screw off for three hours and still beat them 65 to 10 then you didn't really accomplish anything but if you go out there and you stay on schedule like i was just talking about and as a player and as position groups you you have near perfect games your technique was on point you executed your assignments you didn't have any mental errors um and you look good while doing it if the film looks good on sunday 
then yeah, it can be a, it can be a real boost. It, it's, it's, it's validation that you know what you're doing and you can do it. You can take the coaching and you can apply it and everything that you're, you, everything you're taught to do and everything you're expected to do, you are capable of doing. So that's, it, it's, it's all a matter of how it looks on film. If you go out there and you know that you screwed off for three hours and you didn't really, you didn't play hard or, 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 or you made some mental mistakes and you weren't fully engaged and you come in and you watch the film and the film looks sloppy and it shows, then, you know, it was all for nothing. You didn't, you didn't accomplish anything. You got nothing out of it. Um, so it's all a matter of how they approach the game. EJ, what about on the defensive side of the ball? Is it, is it the same for you guys where, you know, you just have to go back and look at the film and really break it down like Mike was talking about? Oh, yeah, of course you have. I mean, the, the score is not going to really tell you too much. I mean, like you said, if it's a team out there that you should beat by 40 points and you go out there and you win by a touchdown, where um, that that doesn't really prove anything. I mean, that doesn't really tell you anything about your team. And even if you go out there and you blow them out, that still doesn't tell you too much because you're going out there and you're beating the team that that you should have beat like that. So I think it's more so about competing with yourself. Are we executing our plays? Are we te- are we sound technique wise? Are we sound within the defense? Are we uh, remembering our calls? Are we conscious of the down and distance? So I think it's more of a game, more of a game to be more conscious about some of the small things that you probably wouldn't be thinking about as much during a, a big game where it's actually a uh, competitive. Some of the things that you should that should always be in the back of your mind, but you may forget about because of the live bullets that are going on in front of you. So I think it's really a good chance for us to to develop a, some some awareness, find out who we are, see what plays work, see how much of the playbook uh, that we do know, and go out there and execute. And, and if I think the confidence will come from, uh, like Mike said, going and watching the film on Sunday and seeing how well they executed. All right, final question for me, and then we'll wrap this one up. Taylor and Mike, this is going to be primarily for you guys, but EJ, I want to get your thoughts too. With Anthony Ratliff-Williams, there's been a lot of talk on the fan message board and Buck Sanders and Jason Staples have talked about the possibility of UNC running the Wildcat with ARW for long stretches of games. Do you guys think that that's something Carolina should be looking to do and if so, would Western Carolina be a potential game to, you know, try that out for maybe, you know, maybe a series, maybe two series? Mike, let's start with your thoughts, and then we'll go to Taylor after that. Yeah, you could try it out against Western, but you don't want to do it enough to to broadcast, and that's probably why you wouldn't see it. Um, and it's also, it, it, Rat hasn't been a quarterback for a number of years. I mean, he hasn't been a quarterback at all since he's been in college. So he would logically he would need the reps to to get comfortable with it but again you could you could put him in there against state for one series and he'd probably probably get the feel of it um if you want to run the wildcat a little more frequently during the game and you don't want to broadcast it against western and run it against state for the first time it would probably take one series to get his feet wet and get him comfortable um you know and was a good quarterback in high school um Mm -hmm. he had some accuracy stuff but which is probably why he's not playing quarterback in college he's also a really good receiver and he's a he's a freak athlete and you don't want to you know playing quarterback you can't have him back there returning kicks too so he can be more versatile at a different position which also probably factored in to him moving from the quarterback spot to receiver but yeah he's he's more than capable he he had a ton of offers coming out of high school many of them were to play quarterback um so if, if he needed to play that he wouldn't be a purely rushing uh a rushing wildcat Right, he would be able to. He would be able to run the wildcat the way it was designed. Have somebody who can throw it 
or run it, and they're equally dangerous doing doing both. So I, I would like to see it. Uh, I don't know if he will. This is maybe the last opportunity you're going to have if you're Fedora to run it with a guy like him. Uh, so I would I would go for broke, uh, if not this week, next week against State for sure. Yeah, I definitely agree with Mike. And, you know, what do you have to lose by trying it out? The offense under Nathan Elliott really hasn't been – moving and you have Cade Fortin and Jace Reuters on the sideline injured. So if Ratliff gives you that best chance running the Wildcat and going along with what Mike said, I wouldn't do too much of it. I wouldn't show any of like any passes you could run out of it um, against uh, Western Carolina. Um, So if you want to just get him comfortable taking snaps from the wildcat in a game like situation, then I would use it in the uh, Western game, but I would just be showing runs. And then once you get NC state, I'd start the game with it, you know, keep going back to it until they stop it because um, 2015 in the bowl game against Baylor, we didn't really have too much of an idea um, that they were going to just go wildcat. And it wasn't something that we really prepared for um, heading into that game. And then, you know, everybody obviously sees what happened against Baylor and giving up all those rushing yards. So it has, and then Ratliff's a lot better uh, passer than whoever was back there for Baylor. I'm not even sure if he even attempted a pass, but at this point you don't have too much to lose by just trying something out. All right. Then EJ, let's wrap it up getting your thoughts on that potential wrinkle from a defensive player you know, put yourself in like maybe the shoes of the NC State defensive coordinator or someone on the D line. If you think that Carolina might be trying to pull a trick like that, you know, number one, do you think that how how surprised would you be? And do you think that that's something that could really just disrupt the entire defensive game plan? I think if it's a person, uh, like Taylor mentioned, if it's a person back there that can throw the ball, I really think that's the only situation in my mind. That would be the only situation where I would really be worried about a guy like that back there. I mean, if they're just lining up and basically doing design quarterback runs, I mean, the offensive line isn't blocking any differently. The quarterback is not, unless they take the quarterback completely out of the game, the quarterback's not going to be involved in any blocking. They're probably not going to have any action going towards him. So I, I, in my mind, I would look at it as just another running play is just that and we, we have more blockers now and, and, and the quarter and the quarterback is going to be the guy that's going to have the ball the whole time so I think if, if that's a guy back there that can pass that's when you're really in trouble because I mean there there's that completely opens up everything that the offense can do you have to worry about maybe a pass actually back to the quarterback double passes uh there is so a myriad of different things that you would have to worry about if that person was capable of passing, but uh, in which uh, Ralph Williams is. So if I was NC State's defensive coordinator and I even thought that they were going, if I thought that or heard any whisper about Carolina potentially doing the Wildcat, then I would be preparing my guys for it because I, I really think that he'd be able to do some serious damage. i line up in that as long as the uh, he and the offensive line are on the same page. All right. Well, we will certainly see if anything like that happens against Western. And then, like I said, guys, you know, with hate week coming up, I want y'all to get some good stories. We'll be talking that a little bit more next week. But for now, we'll sign off. Thank you, everyone, for talking with me tonight. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now.
Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie.